This is a Podfire production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Humans. Morning all, this is Brett McCallum. I'm your host of Awesome Humans, the podcast that brings together some of the most amazing people on this awesome planet of ours to tell us their stories, have a few laughs, sometimes some tears, but most of all it's all about them and who they really are. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Official Beer Co. and also Meteorate Sports. Welcome to Awesome Humans. When looking at buying a racehorse, we always look at a bloodline. What you get when you put an Opal and a Boomer together is obviously a great bloodline for an all-round basketball player. Today's Awesome Human is Jason Kadee. He's an Australian professional basketballer. He's played his 350 NBL games, oh, plus more now, in the Australian National Basketball League. He's now entering his 13th year in the league. He's currently playing for the Gold Coast Rollers in the NBL 1 North here on the Gold Coast, and he's also now contracted to the Adelaide 36ers for the NBL season coming up. He made his debut for the Gold Coast Blaze back in the day in 2010, before going on to play for the Adelaide 36ers, Sydney Kings, Brisbane Bullets, and now back to the Adelaide 36ers, full circle. He's played the 350 games over the 13 years, and he still looks like he's about 22, so I reckon he's probably got another five or six years in him at least. He's coming off the back of the NBL 1 North MVP, oh, sorry, MVP, which is not bad for an old bloke. And last night he helped his team, the Rollers, get their second successive, to their second successive grand final after winning 18 games straight. He's represented his country at the highest level and won many titles around the world. I'm excited having a basketball legend in the studio with me today. G'day, mate. Thanks How for having are me. you? That was quite an intro. I actually feel like I've done some things in there my career. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's not all about your career today. It's more about you. We obviously will cover some of the career off. But uh, I was looking at it last night and I'm sitting there going... How do you introduce a basketball player whose mum was an Opal and dad was a Boomer? And all I thought was bloodline and racehorses. And I, I suppose you've never been introduced that way, I'm sure. No, you haven't. <laughs> but you piqued my interest as soon as you said uh, bloodlines and racehorses because I'm very much into racehorses. Are you really? Yes. <coughs> do you own any? I, I have. I actually have none at the moment, but I've owned about, at most I've owned at one time was four or five. Yeah. How'd they go? Couple decent. Uh, all of them have won a race, which nice. we know is well hard. Done. My first one <laughs> promised the world. I got the the ultimate introduction to horse racing. Uh, horse with Tony Gollan has its first trial. Off the back of its first trial, gets an offer from Hong Kong for like two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. We think we've got a star on our hands. Yeah. We don't sell it. Doesn't win for eighteen starts. <laughs> Runs about fourteen <laughs> places. So I got the ultimate thing. Always sell. Uh, but yeah, uh, had a couple. Mostly with Tony Gollan, yep. uh, who's become a good mate of mine and let me... I used to be his little shadow sometimes. Yeah. It was like my away from basketball, but still in sport thing. I'd Did you go, jump on? No, I never jumped on. No. Horses actually scare me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, me too. I love so betting on them. I love, I love betting on them. them. <laughs> I love being near them. But a few times I'd be with Tony on just a midweeker and yeah. he'd be like, hey, watch that horse for a second. When it was in the stalls, he'd go and have to strap something. And I'd be like... Uh, <laughs> uh, are you sure, Tony? Because if this thing jumps, I'm out. And so, no, I, I've just, as I moved to Brisbane, it inc- enhanced my love for it because yep. of things like that. I just, I'd go sit with Tony at midweeks or at trials and he'd be doing his job and just talking to me. He'd be talking to owners and I'd just walk around with him and he'd let me do it. And so it kind of, it really enhanced my love for horse racing. So you were a gambler? Yeah, I am. And do you, what do you enjoy the the sort of uh, the feeling of the the race itself and the the whole piece or you like oh, everyone likes to win obviously I think everyone loves to about? win but I just think as I, I've I'm dad's a horse racing person so okay. when I was younger dad actually raced um, trotting horses like proper set on the back oh really so he was playing like the jockey he was playing and yeah the jockey tells dad six two six three but when you sit in the uh in the carriage it doesn't matter and, oh, he, and okay. he was light yeah, yeah and so um i grew up around being around it and although i don't love trots i love actual gallop races yeah but, me too um i've just grown to love it and then the betting side comes to it because you want to find a winner but it's also just if for me like it's become a thing for me and dad too we talk every friday about what's coming on saturday a lot of us talk about golden runners because yep. we've just grown to know tony really well and it's just one of those things you start to see horses, know their form, know what's good, know what's not good. Hopefully you can back a winner. <laughs> it's just all of it for me is just a bit of fun. And 
obviously it helps when you win. Oh, 100%. And when your own horse wins, it's just one of the best feelings ever. I awesome. <laughs> I, I only got to go one day where I was there where when it won. Yep. Oh, actually, no, there was a couple. But one day it was in a race. We weren't sure it was going to win. A horse called Royal Hail, which actually Tony told me he bought it back off Aquas, said to me, it'll win Saturday races. I said, okay, I'm in. And the share was nothing. <laughs> and uh, it ended up winning about, it would have been at least six or seven Saturday races. Oh, wow. Yeah. like just That's a proper horse. Just a solid horse. Yeah. It, was, it never won outside. It's great. I want to, it came third in the, um, the Wheatwood, Toowoomba. Oh, yeah. Came third in that behind Apache Chase. Oh, well, there you go. Not so, bad horse. And, and Wide Barrier came from nowhere, like had a terrible run. So it, it had it. It was pretty honest, to be honest. And oh, I just love the honest. passion that you got for race horses. Oh, I enjoy it, awesome. mate. I enjoy it. But one day I went, <laughs> Sam McKinnon, ex-GM, uh, me and him was sitting there and it, it got up by a nose. But when you're at the track, sometimes you can't see depending on your angle. Yeah, okay. And so someone told me the horse on the outside one. And I said, no, I'm sure it didn't. Anyway, it turned out it won. It was a great day. And all the other, all my other teammates were on the other side in the public section doing something, yeah. running around. So when it won, we all got in the, in the winner's <laughs> thing. We are having a great time. Yeah, we had one that uh, was coming home. He's flying, absolutely flying home. I'm sitting there going, it was 50 to 1. And I've had a good crack on this thing. And he's come up, he's got beaten by a nose. Oh, like, not sick. even a nose, it was like a nasal hair. That feeling's sick. But the worst part was the jockey got done for pulling the horse back. Nah, that So he got put out worse. for three months. We won nothing. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and then the horse never won again. It was devastating. No, that's, that makes you feel sick when stuff like that <laughs> Anyway, let's get this is all about you, not about racehorses. Um, where were you born? Sydney. So uh, born and raised in Bankstown, basically. In Bankstown? Yep. So Western Sydney boy. So sure. I suppose this class is Western Sydney still, isn't it? It a is. Little bit. It's probably really central Sydney now. in a way, but no, I'm a Western Sydney boy. So you're a Canterbury Bulldogs fan? I sure am. Oh, and it's tough You should times just end this moment. now. This is just a shock. <laughs> you don't need to do that to me. I'm already struggling enough with the Bulldogs at the moment. Oh, no, it's funny. My whole family played for them, and they, uh, they've all been sort of Bulldogs fans forever. And I still remember the day I was five or six years old, and my old man made me a Bulldogs fan. He put me in a jersey. And I went, I'm not doing that. Nah. So then I became a Manly fan because that was the one he hated yeah, the most. Yeah, so <laughs> straight to the rival team. Straight to the rival. So it's pretty funny though. Um, what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Oh, not even completely sure. A lot of, honestly, I mean, we say we won't talk a whole lot about basketball, but a lot of my early memories are yeah. at basketball. Just early days, um, Dad was running the West Sydney Slammers, mm -hmm. which was a Siebel team. Yeah. And they later turned into the West Sydney Razorbacks, et cetera. And so a lot of my early memories are just being young at basketball stadiums and Dad having to go and watch someone, Slammers games, whatever, and me just kind of running around and Mum making sure I was nearby and other people watching me because they all knew who, whose kid I was. And so a lot of my early memories really are around basketball stadiums it's funny i love going to all well, last season at the bullets games there was your kids and Sobey's kids running yeah. around the court at the end and uh running a mark and bouncing the ball like, that's you isn't it as a kid yeah. yeah and that's what now that i've got my own kids especially with louis scarlet still little but exactly that like louis as soon as i reckon he was about two he figured out when that he thought the game was over. I'd, I'd always watch him try and run down the stairs to get to the court because it was like, it's my time. The game's over. This is, this is me. And yeah. even even now at Rollers games on a heightened level because kids can obviously do whatever they want there at the stadium, which is awesome. Yeah. Him and um, Anthony Petrie's youngest, Will, is two years older than um, Louis. And so they just run around like maniacs. And the other <laughs> night I walk off the court after a game or I'm on the court, Louis runs on, he's got no shirt on, no shoes on, just his trackies. <laughs> And I'm just like, mate, what are you doing? But in a way, I just think it's cool as hell because I'm like, that was my childhood and I loved it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And so do you think he'll play? He's pretty coordinated. Is he? Uh, that bloodline's still going. Yeah, I, look, I I don't know because he's my son and who knows? They're kids. We all know kids are different. But yep. Peach, who's my best mate, is adamant that he's going to be a superstar because he just, yeah, he is very coordinated. Kick, catch, throw, shoot. Run everything. How old is he now? Not even four. Love it. Love but that. so as I said, Peach has had four of them, and he's adamant. He's like, mate, this kid, you, you've got one thing for the rest of your life right now is to make sure that Louis gets through safely yep. to being a pro at whatever he's going to be a pro at. And I'm like, 
Shut up, Peach. He's a kid. <laughs> He's and Peach small. goes, I'm telling you, mate, if you screw this up, I'm going to belt you. It's on you. So <laughs> he's really putting the pressure on me. What about your missus? Is she coordinated? She played in WNBL. There you go. See, it's bloodlines, mate. And she's bloodlines. A, she's an athlete. So she actually came back and played this year after having eight years off. Oh, wow. How'd Had, she go? She played all right. So yeah. she played for the Rollers. Yeah. Um, hasn't talked about playing. We've been together over six years. Hasn't talked about playing. And then... Once again, Peach and his wife, Sarah, convinced her to go play local comp. And as I said, hasn't talked about playing basketball once That's since funny, we got together. It? Just just was kind of like, it's what I used to do. I don't really have the yeah. want to do it anymore. Goes and plays local comp on a Tuesday night down at Carrara. Has 36 or something. <laughs> Bez, uh, Sarah, Bez, I call her Bez, goes, I need you tomorrow night for the Premier League. We, we, we're short. We've only got four players. Oh, okay, come back. Rolls back the next night. Has 30. <laughs> Next minute, Peach is ringing uh, the, at the time, head coach of the Rollers, saying, yeah. I think you need to bring Jasmine in. She can help your group. So that same week, no, the very next week, first game of the season, she trains once, plays the first game of the NBL one season. I was like, what's going on here? How did we get here out of nowhere? You went and played local comp a week later, you're playing NBL one. Like, it's just local comp. So, oh, I love that. So How did no, she go, though, in the NBL one? She had a pretty good year. Yeah. She just, she struggled in terms of, just the feel and touch of everything, and obviously, I've been out that long, yeah, long time. And to was be sore early on, but yeah. really enjoyed it. Just got the feel of playing again. She was playing thirty plus minutes some games. Wow. Um, just I guess older, smarter, understands yeah. the game. But you don't have to run as hard. It, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool to see her out there playing. But no basketball is well and truly in the bloodlines. There you go. Still, yeah. So maybe for both kids, eh? Could be Scarlet. Uh, How old Scarlett? Only 18 months. Yeah. But she... Can hold the ball. Yes. <laughs> she picks them up pretty... Like, roll it to her and she traces it with her eyes and picks it up. I said, okay, here's another one. One of the questions I always ask in these interviews is, what's the best ever Jason Kadi story? I obviously don't ask other people that, but I only ask you that. Like, what's your go-to story? If someone comes and says, tell me a story. What's your story? I don't... I reckon never been asked. Experience or a what? What's one of the best moments of your life? I've had multiple, to be honest. I I always, um, I always love winning. So obviously, part of winning stories that involve winning are really good. Um, One of the best trips, like one of my go-to stories, is because it's got some funny stuff about it, and I can probably even tell it now, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> we were at uh, funny when you get old yeah the I'm give a like, shit level whatever. gets a little bit less yeah i'm just like whatever <laughs> so we were at the asia cup first time we've ever been yep and we go to asia cup we're there for three and a half weeks or something in lebanon and obviously there's security rules and all that around it and then after the first four or five days because we got there a week before it, i think yeah. and so of the first four or five days the food was the same every day on the top level of the hotel Everything was just the same, and the boys are starting to go, I'm over this. Like, can we go eat somewhere? Can we go somewhere else? So they organised for us. We all go out for dinner. The whole, everyone's staff and everyone, we all go out. And then we started to figure out, well, hang on, if we organise this, we can actually go out and eat and do this thing. So we start going out to P.F. Chang's was the main spot because it was in the harbour there, and it was really nice, and we (laughs) all knew what the food was, so we were all comfortable there. So we start going out, and we're going through the tournament as well at this time, and starting to branch out a little bit. And then it comes up, if we win the quarterfinal, oh no, sorry, if we win the last round game, there's a four-day break to the quarterfinal, or five-day break. It was just some weird thing. And so Dre says, look, fellas, we've been away for two and a half weeks. Like, I actually want you fellas to go and let your hair down. We're going to find something, go... Do whatever you want to do. you got two days off. And then we'll train, train into the game. Perfect. We were like, righto. The next minute, we just, we're all on a bus. The coaches are going to their own thing. They pull up and they drop us off. And we're like, where are we at? We're at some big, like almost like a Vegas-style pool oh, yeah. party. Righto. We roll up here. It's packed. Packed. And so we're in here just like, okay. Everyone there is there, like, <laughs> sipping away on cocktails. Here's us Aussie boys throwing footies, trying to catch them, <laughs> drinking. Like, everyone's looking at us like, what are these idiots doing? I'm like, have we missed the party? Like, <laughs> everyone's trying to, like, not get wet. We're in the pool jumping off the side, <laughs> trying to take classic catches. Oh, anyway, as as something goes on, someone's dropped a bottle. Just not even being silly, not even drunk. Just, yeah. just dropped Excellent. the bottle yep. in the pool. Oh, it's exploded. So he's come up with it in his hand. 
And so he's gone, oh, my gosh. It's just popped out of my hand. So some of the boys are, like, down the bottom of the pool trying to swoop it all up because they don't want to tell anyone. <laughs> so they're all trying to, like, just swoop it all up, swoop it all up. And I go, well, where's all the rest of it? And then one of the boys goes, it's in my foot. And I said, no. He goes, bro, I can feel it in my foot like I've just stepped on it by accident. So he goes over out of the pool, lifts up his foot. It's sticking out of his foot. A big part of the bottle. Yeah, a big part oh. of the glass. So he grabs some randoms towel, pulls it out, and wraps the foot in the towel. And we'd organised the cabana away, like a separate. It wasn't separate, but it was somewhat separate. So he gets all the way over there. Of course, Lebanon, there's a bunch of Western Sydney blokes around. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. So we're all trying to swoop the, uh, the thing out. Anyway, everyone's still drinking, have a good time, but we've got one bloke <laughs> with a sore foot. So we ring Doc. Doc, this has happened. It was a complete accident. Like, no one was... It wasn't even... Like, we were having fun, but we weren't being idiots. Yeah, yeah. Righto, come on. I'm going to get him to go back to the hotel. I'll stitch it up, glue it up, whatever. So bloke goes back to the hotel, gets it glued up in a boot about an hour and a half later, shows back up. Oh, comes back out. <laughs> in oh, the boot. <laughs> in the boot. And so we're all still there. We were there all day, all night. Next minute, it was like we were all laughing about it, like da da. He's in the pool on a floaty device <laughs> with his boot on, still drinking. Oh, it was one of the elite times of just like everyone panicking, to everyone just going back to having fun, and him showing back up. Anyway, the two days later, oh, we had the next day off. The day after that, that training session, we were all <laughs> dying, but got through it. And then we went on to win the tournament. That's and pretty awesome. It's been a story I've had for a long time. Oh, I love that. Not, I don't even think I've really told it. And you're not going to drop any names. I obviously. won't drop names. <laughs> not till not till I retire. Or is there any names. photos of him in the pool with the boot on? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I've got a video on my phone. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I that's going to come few. out when you retire. Yeah, we've got a video. It's elite. It's one of like when <laughs> we all talk retired? about it. No, he's no, still playing. <laughs> so when we all talk about it as a trip, like that's one moment we all just like laugh about because it was as I said, we were just boys having fun. Yeah, we were allowed to. We were having a good time. And then just, just an honest. It probably helped you win the tournament. To be fair, prob- probably that, that, that bonding of bringing all the, it's the people. If together. you speak to anyone from that trip, like the unknown of going and playing an Asia Cup, yep. because we'd never been in it as a country, and then just being away for so long. Because everyone thinks when you go on these trips, they're just oh, they're amazing. You get to yeah. go away, and they are, but they get old real quick. You yep. live it out of a bag. We ain't just doing sightseeing. We're training, bus to training, bus back, food, this recovery. Video. Like, it's on the go. So it's the not like time. you're just rolling around. So these few moments you get where you can do stuff like this, it really <laughs> becomes like a let your hair down and have fun. And so we had a great group, and I reckon we all, if you ask anyone that was on that trip, they all would talk about that day for one and yeah. then just the overall trip and how much fun it was because of the group. So one of the key things there is the fact that you're playing for your country. Yeah. What um, It's something that, that everyone, like every every male, I, I turned 50 this year, it was one of the, my biggest regrets I never got to play for my country at any particular sport. I, ca- I coached uh, the under-15 women in, mm-hmm. in a tournament once uh, for Australia. But other than that, like the fact that you get to put that uh, coat of arms on your, on your heart, yeah. uh, but it still makes me go tingly now. Like, how, how is that? When do you, how did you find out you're in your first Australian team? Did they ring you, or how does that work? No, because it was back in the day when we could actually when they actually told you to your face in front of the group who's in oh, who's out. So wow. this is this is pre everyone's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first ever one. So I was late to the AIS. So normally groups go down there and they're year they're like say pre worlds. Yep. For a year and a half, so okay. there's a bit of a build up. I went in six months before the worlds. Why is that? Just Late to it, really, I guess. Okay. Like, I, I kind of, I think that year before I went down, I had a really big year domestic uh, in with the Bruins and then at Nationals as well. Yeah. So probably got to the point where they were like, we need to bring him in. Um, and then, so I didn't do any Emus camps prior to that, basically, end of January. And I think the Worlds was in July. Oh, okay. So I was really late into that, yeah, yeah. that piece. And so go down the AIS um, I was playing really good basketball. We pick a team about March, I want to say. And then we had a pre-Worlds tournament in France. So first Australian team I'd made. Yep. Through the camps. How old were you? 17. So, okay. So I was a year younger than everyone. I actually, I was just, I turned 18 during this whole process. Okay. Because it was April. My birthday was in April. So yep. all this was going on. So, But I was a year younger than everyone else. This is Delhi... Mitch Young, 
um, Ryan Brockoff, Brock Modem. Like, they were all the boys a year older than me, uh-huh. and I was the, the younger one. And so... Um, we go to a pre world. We go to the pre worlds tournament in France, playing against all USA, Canada. Like played all the proper teams. It was like a a proper pre worlds tournament. So who would that USA group be? Oh, I don't team? even remember. Um, not that team. The worlds team I remember had people like Seth Curry and okay. stuff like that. They yeah, won it. That they were, sort of age group. Yeah, yeah, they were really good. Um, but this tournament, I'm not sure. I think it was like they were still figuring out who was going to make it. Um, so we go to that, and then the middle of the France. Uh, tournament, Marty Clark, who was our head coach, pulled me, Cody Ellis, Delhi, and Brock Modem into a room and says, you've been invited to the Boomers camp. Uh, when we get back, it's, it starts the day we get back. So you were in France in at the France time? In France at the time. Wow. And so we were like, oh, okay, wow, cool, <laughs> like whatever. Now, and Marty said, look, because we get back from here, you're not going to do the whole camp. You're just going to do a few days of it. And we'll, we'll figure out the logistics once we kind of get close to being back. Righto, all good. So playing for Australia. So for me, I've been at the AIS for six weeks. <laughs> I'm in France. I've been told I'm going to a boomers camp. So it's been already a crazy three months. Get back. Now, I've really discovered what jet lag really was <laughs> yeah. after my first European <laughs> trip. I remember the first night back, we, we opened doors. I heard a door open about 3 a.m. I said, I wonder who that is. Open the door. And then as soon as that happened, because the rooms at the AOS kind of have doors around a, like a hallway. Oh, yeah. Everyone's door open. You awake? You awake? Yep, we're awake. Everyone was <laughs> wide awake at 3 a.m. And some of us were going to train that morning with the boomers. Oh, wow. So anyway, that was my first taste of learning the emus and then the boomers thing. And then off the back of that, we had our World Cup in July, which yep. I made. Um, and then... Right off the back of that, I made my first Boomers team and played in a series in Australia against Argentina. So it was like a whirlwind eight months of... How's that cool to your dad? Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of those things at the time. I'm just so young. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. oh, all this is happening <laughs> hey, to dad. dad like, yeah. <laughs> but now when I think back to it, especially ringing him, like knowing what he's done yeah. for Australian basketball and coaching, playing, like I'm still uncovering things he's actually achieved. Like I just found out the other day, he actually won the women's coach of the year and the men's coach of the year in the NBL and WNBL in the same year. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Only person ever do it. Now, I don't know their names at the time were WNBL, yeah, but yeah, the Women's the National League. Yeah. And so I just, we were talking about something the other day with my uncle and we were all talking about things like that. And so anyway, to bring my family and then them to come watch and they came to the Worlds, my whole family came to the Worlds and yeah, it was pretty cool. That's pretty special. Pretty special. So, as a kid, which school did you go to? Westfield Sports High. Westfield, it's a sports high school. What's yeah, that? it's it's not a private school. Okay, it's just a it's just a sports high in Fairfield. Yep. And you still remember it? Yeah, produced a boatload of uh, NRL soccer players, some basketball players. Like yeah. it's just been really excellent for sports people, and it's. Yeah, so as I said, it's not a private school, it's a public school that's got a sports part to it. So going through those years at school, what sort of players were like, say, NRL players or those sort of guys? Do you remember any of those boys? Jared Ayn, Israel oh, Flau, yeah. um, big T-Rex Williams. Like, uh, there was a heap before and after me. One of my mates that was in my year, my food, <laughs> me, him and his best mate, did uh, food tech together. Aaron Moy just played for the Socceroos. Oh, wow. So, um Matt Ryan first like um, yeah. sporting school that's a lot amazing. like they've they've produced a lot of really good athletes like if you go back on like a school that's produced I don't know the exact stats yeah, on yeah. It, but I would say it'd have to be up there in a wide range of like just athletes they've produced like they've got a wall of fame in the physio some of the faces on that wall like were some of them have turned into elite professionals and some of them were elite juniors that's amazing so isn't it's it? pretty cool I'd love to actually know there you go I'd love to know what the stat is on most professional, like Michael Clark, Harry Kill, all the same school. Yep. Wow, that's pretty pretty special, isn't it? What um? So you went to school. Were you a good kid, bad kid? No, I've always been naughty? good. I wasn't great at school because I didn't love it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't. I guess I didn't put the time in. But I was always a pretty good kid. I think uh, I had a cheeky side and a, sometimes a bit of a not rebellious, but just the want to do other stuff. But no, I was always a pretty good. Pretty good kid. So if there's sort of any advice you could give that kid now, 
would it be try harder? Would it be just do what you do? Would it be just live your life? What would it be? Um, it probably would have been to put my make myself more uncomfortable earlier. I think I was a pretty mm-hmm. comfortable kid, and obviously, as I said, I had a good home life. I stayed in the lane type. Uh, thing, yeah, I go. did. And so yeah. when I once I got to the AIS, it pushed me outside my comfort zone, which was excellent. Yeah. Um, but I probably would have told myself to get outside my comfort zone earlier as okay. a kid and just learn how to embrace that because. Really, you're never comfortable as an adult. No. Nah. So that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Um, uni ever on your mind? No. Nah. No, nah, it was always going to be sport. Yep. I uh, there was. I almost went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was pure to do what? Play basketball. Yeah. Okay. It had nothing to do with schoolwork. <laughs> oh, I just didn't. I didn't love school. Eh? I just once I got to year twelve, like I dropped. I did. I loved modern history. I actually really enjoyed modern yep. history, but I dropped that and kept business studies, which I hated. Hated business studies. But I dropped modern history because it was at the end of two days and the start of a day. So, I mean, I either started later or finished earlier. <laughs> like, that's where my school was at. You know I what I mean? I did the exact same thing. Like, I just, I, I yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my teacher. I enjoyed the class we had. Like, I actually really enjoyed modern history. Like, we were doing a JFK thing for ages and yeah. I loved it. Like, just, but I was like, yeah, it's at the start of a day and the end of two days. I was like, <laughs> I'm home by one thirty if I drop that. I'm 100%. Out. I was there. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's funny. My uh, year 12 report card came out and said, uh, Brett should be a lot more diligent. If he actually cared, he'd do a lot better. All this stuff. And my son reads it and goes, well, you didn't try, Dad. What should I? It's like, fuck, worst thing I ever showed yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> Should never have done that. So my mum and dad pushy, were they? How, how were they with you, like, from a studies point of view? Um... No, they weren't pushy, but they were just always about going and just getting it done, yep. doing the right thing. Like, I, as I said, I never got report cards back where it was like, doesn't listen, not doing this, not doing that. Like, I just got my report cards back, and they're always just pretty steady. Yep. Later on, it probably dropped off a little bit with some subjects because I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. But I was always, especially early days, I was always trying to do the right thing and trying to get it done. And they were just always about just making sure you show up and get it done. Fair enough. And what about siblings? How many siblings? Younger sister. Okay, and what's she like? She was pretty decent at school. Yeah. Uh, she was also pretty good at basketball. Okay. And then did her ACL at under 18s. Ouch. And kind of never... Never came back from it? She did. She came back, did it again, and then just kind of was like, oh, I'm not rehabbing this, to just run around. So let's go there. Let's talk about rehab. You've obviously, you had an accident. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk me through that. What happened? Driving on the freeway, so I stayed at... How old? I was 18. Okay. 18. Do you so still remember the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, played ABA on Saturday, played ABA on Sunday against Sydney Comets on the Saturday, Sunday Norse, had a great weekend. Um, all my mates after the game, we played like a two o'clock game on the Sunday, mm-hmm. all my mates were going to Northies. So I drove, I didn't drink. So I drove to Northies, hung out for a bit. Then I went back to my mate's house out at Castle Hill, out at Bella Vista. Slept there the night. Um, got up the next morning, had to drive home because mum mum and dad were at a bank meeting at, I think it was like 9 till 10. I had to get the car to them by 10 o'clock. So it's a half hour drive. Driving along the freeway, I basically pull out behind a truck to go around it. And as I do that, he starts veering out. So I veer off, it's two-lane freeway on the M7, both yep. ways, and then in the middle is like a classic uh, just piece of dirt, really, without, you know how here we've kind of got the ropes or the yeah, whatever yeah, along? It had that. nothing, it was yeah. just just grass. So I kind of start veering, next minute I'm on the dirt, gravel. I brake, try to come back on, and as I do that, there was a, there was a bridge coming up, I just spin out, like a proper spin out. Land uh, backside to the um, barricade on the inside of the freeway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm facing like dead set across the freeway. I look to my right. Here comes a semi-trailer. Just absolutely crunched the piss out of me. And you were conscious the whole time? So when I turn and look and see the semi-trailer, when people say to you like the amount of thoughts can go through your head in probably the space of one yeah. second, I had every bit of that. Like I turned and looked at that truck and I probably there was probably about one or two seconds before it actually hit me. So it was slow motion for you? Oh, like fully slow. Like I feel like I said a full sentence for about five minutes in my head. Like wow. I just remember turning and looking. And because when you turn out of your car, if you ever pull up in front of a park semi-trailer and look to your right out of your car, mm-hmm. just a regular sedan, that thing's big. Yeah. And I just remember turning and looking and thinking... Do you think you were dead? Yeah. I was like, this is over. I was like, holy shit, this is over. 
and then um, went into shock and passed out. Oh, like before it hit, did yep. they say? Right okay. before it hit. Yeah, yeah. And so in hindsight, they actually think that could have saved, saved, saved my life slash been why I only broke my pelvis because they reckon I would have turned and looked, would have half leant back, passed out. And then I remember the noise, the sounds, the smell, everything. I remember like the collision, but I was just out of it. And then I woke up. I was stuck between the middle console and so the you door. you were still in the car? Yep. yep. Stuck between the middle console and the door. There was a lady in the passenger seat who had come across and jumped in. There was people all around the car. The airbags were everywhere. Um, it was chaos. Shit. Mm. It was proper. Like, it was... Like, if there's a... Did the truck driver survive? Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. He was there at the outside the car. Wow. And so it was... Um, I should have died, really. Yeah. Hit by a semi trailer on a freeway going 100 k's an hour on the driver's side. That's a heaps better story than the other one you told. <laughs> this is yeah. If you talk about stories that are real story, this is actually a story. Um, so you you broke your pelvis. Broken so pelvis. You, sorry, you you woke up and what do you think? And then fuck, I'm alive. Well, yeah, I was like, what's happening? And then there was people around the car like, are you okay? Are you okay? Just you're okay. Like oh, basically, like you're okay. Just just sit, breathe. You're all good. And so I was so tightly stuck between. The door and the mid in the middle console. Yeah, my legs were stuck together, and my nuts were between my legs stuck. Ouch! So that's how tight I was stuck. I yeah. couldn't even get him out. And so that was almost the most painful thing at the time. <laughs> but it, I guess as a kid too, you watch movies, and in my head I was like, "Am I paralyzed? Like, what's going yeah. on?" Yeah. And I could move my feet, and so I said, oh, "I think I'm good. If I can move your feet, I think you're good." Because everyone says you can't feel your legs yeah. if you're paralyzed. So I remember thinking that, and I was like, "I can move my feet." The lady, Ida, who got in the car, was just telling me, or just speak to me, you're okay, like, what's going on, what do you do? And I was like, classic kid, I was like, I just, I need to play basketball. Like, I wasn't even thinking about walking, I was like, yeah, I need yeah. to play basketball again, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, helicopter showed up, ambulance showed up, and then an hour and a half later, they cut me out of the car. What sort of car was it? A Holden Epica. An Epica, so is that a bit bigger? Yeah, just like you, kind of like you, like a version of a, Mixed between a Commodore and like a Astra. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. those mid-size sedans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's no longer... And back a, then, mobile phones weren't that... There were, many people didn't have them. No. So, did... Um, how mum and dad find out? So, the lady in the car rang them. I had, oh, okay. I had told... I don't really remember this part, but yeah. I had told her their numbers and they had rang. There was a missed call. So both of them walk out of the bank meeting. This is from their side. They walk out of the bank meeting. Miss call, miss call. Same number. Voice message. Pick up the phone and they're both listening at the same time. <laughs> stare at each other. <laughs> Holy f shit. Yeah. They go and get in the car, drive straight out. And so I remember being in the car because the car had been twisted around. So the kind of the... I'm now facing basically back against traffic. Yeah. And so they were... They weren't allowed in the car, but they were in that medium strip just... They'd parked on the other side and come across, and they were just standing So you there. could see them? Yeah, I remember giving mum the thumbs up. Yeah, okay. Well, that's about to make her feel a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> Heavily on the green whistle, I just remember going, mum, thumbs up. Isn't it amazing what that green whistle can do for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, so I was asking for everything. So they got you out, hour so and a half. Hour and a half. They Jaws jaw of death jaw thing? Jaws of life or life, death, whatever they death, call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they uh, open, cracked the door open. They put a, as I said, I didn't know if I was getting. Do you remember this stuff? Yeah, flown yeah. to hospital or in the ambulance. They put the board in the side of the car, the passenger side. And at this point, as soon as they cut that door open, I spread my legs. I was like, oh. <laughs> in that's bag. Blah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I feel incredible. <laughs> and then they twisted me to get on that board. So they, like, twisted me to get on that board. And it yeah. felt like the middle of my body just crunched together. And that's a broken pelvis. And my mom said she's heard me scream often in my life at injuries and stuff, yeah. but not like that. And oh, she was two and a half lanes over. Jesus. And I remember that pain. That pain was, that was for real. So you get back to hospital, they do all the x-rays, they do all that sort of stuff, and you find out broken pelvis? Yeah, so ambulance. See, the story would be so much cooler if they airlifted me to hospital. Oh, you went in an ambulance? Yeah. Oh, shit story Exactly, now. kind of boring. <laughs> so, but the chopper was there. That's why I tell the chopper was there. Yeah, so yeah, it was okay. either or. <laughs> Either or. I chose the car because I was that injured. I think too, because the other part was, so one of my mate's dad's is a truck driver and they were reporting on all the truck services fatality on the freeway. Oh, wow. So I think possibly the chopper was there too because if it was like 
hanging by a thread. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so straight to um, Westmead and straight into emergency. All the tests start getting taken place, put on different things and different machines. Good old catheter goes in, everything you can think of, and um, comes out just a broken pelvis. Still, a pretty big injury. It is. It is. But in for the a basketball, in the logistics it of it, though, yeah, yeah exactly. The Could fact that it wasn't my hip or anything. Yeah. And then the other crazy part I always tell people is, it, it's July, so I'm in Sydney, full hoodie, full trackies, yeah, blood all over the airbags. And when I tell you, I did not have one scratch on me. I didn't have one scratch on me. Was the blood from? I have no idea. No, is there anything? I. I had none on my lip, none really? leaking out. I turned down the rear vision mirror about six times because I was like, my face must be a mess because there's nothing on my hands, nothing. Yeah. I was like, and I remember just checking over and over again. And the lady, Ida, was like, are you okay? And I was like, the blood, the blood, the blood. And she was like, mate, there's no blood on you. And so I got to the hospital. I had one bruise on my hip. I had blood down my arm because they'd cut my jacket off me, but I had blood yeah. down my arm. But when that got washed off, no scratch. Far out. So I was either highly tripping out, but everyone around, I made people check. Because <laughs> oh, I still don't know. <laughs> so amazing? I, I have no idea to this day. Might have been in the bag. Maybe, Maybe it was a second hand airbag. Oh, it could have come out of my nose and just not <laughs> yeah, exactly. even thing or something. But uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. Wow. So how long's the recovery from a broken pelvis? What are they telling you? They told me I'd play basketball again. They did? Yep. Okay, um, so it's a bit so of a once, once they did the surgery, the doctor was really good. Um, surg- he said they put the stuff in for everyone, but the, this stuff won't limit. It's just part of everyone's recovery. Everyone's yep. different. They basically told me 10 to 12 months. Okay. Um, I was in hospital on the Monday after Monday was the accident. Had surgery on the Friday. And I left hospital on the Monday or the Tuesday because well, I, I wanted out. Yeah, I, was, I hated it. Hated it. I wanted out. I was in one of those split room things. I need to get out of here. And the test to get out was, well, you can't leave till you show that you're competent on crutches. Now, everyone that, since I was, I did my ankle on crutches, you swing. Yeah. I couldn't swing. So I was like little step, left step, little step, right step, left step. And it was, so it was slow to get around. I was in so much pain, but I was like, nah, I'm good. I feel great. Like, I'm all good. Because I just wanted out of hospital. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so I just told them I was good, and they let, you out. They let me out. So in recovery at home. And so I was at home, and when I got home, I was actually pretty crook, just from all the stuff I'd been taking. I'd lost, like, I mean, I was only skinny then, but I'd yeah. lost, like, 10 kilos. Oh, wow. Um, So I went from being, like, I don't know, 73 to, like, 62 or something like that in the space of two weeks. And so I was at home, thank everything from mum and dad and my sister Yep. and all my mates. And they were around, like all my mates used to come around every day uh, in the afternoons after work because we were obviously all just finished school. So yeah, they'd yeah, come around after work or whatever and just sit around and hang out with me. Mum looked after me the whole time. Amazing. Yeah, it? it was just, and then I ended up playing after five and a half months. Really? Yeah. First game for the Gold Coast, five and a half months. Wow, because that's when you made your NBL debut, wasn't yep. it? So you're in pretty much not in good shape to play basketball. How do you sign an NBL contract during that? I'd already signed it. it. Before? The, the Blaze were incredible when I think back to it. And at the time, I didn't understand, but yep. they could have just been, see you later, too hard. But um, the moment I got out of hospital, Joey Wright and uh, Big Joe, yep. Joe Terzakian, they flew in, brought me my training singlet, said whenever you're ready to come, whatever you need. Dave Claxton was the CEO. Yeah. Obviously, probably helped. He had a really great relationship with my dad. And so they, the club started paying me on time. Did, That's pretty good, Did that? whatever I needed, helped me out. When you're ready, fly up. So I I don't know if I rushed because of the, how good they were, but like I, as soon as I could, felt like I was able to fly up. Like that was a big deal to me leaving home after that because I'd actually relied so heavily on my yeah, parents. Yeah, of course. But, um, I was up there and then... I think I got up there during pre-season. And then, yeah, I think about three months on the Gold Coast and I was back playing. But the staff, like uh, strength coach Will Markwick, the physios back then, all that, like they were really good. And it it was tough that first year. Like after my first game, I couldn't even walk. Because, <laughs> of, because of the pelvis? Just my, gr- my hips and yeah. gr- groin and all that would seize up. And so after that game, I actually like got, ho- like got help to the car 
I was Welcome living, to the NBL. I was living behind the convention center at yeah. Freshwater Point Resort, and I'd laid on the couch and didn't move for like two days. Wow! So you're 18 years old. You've obviously you had your accident. You've done that. Is there, you mentioned earlier the potential of going to college? Is that something that was real? Did yeah. You, did you think you would do that? Um, yes and no. It was real in terms of like I sometimes I laugh because I never think anything of myself but I, the amount of college offers and f- calls and things we were receiving especially yep. back then when it was harder was ridiculous like yeah. there was so much coming through and then i went to the nike hoop summit where they picked top 10 or 12 kids from around the world to play the top 12 usa kids high yeah. school kids so people basically going to college and or that age did you get picked yeah yeah so i played at the world i was in the world team and that usa team had Kyrie Irving, Harrison Barnes, Tobias Harris, <laughs> like not Bre- a bad, not a bad team. Brandon Knight, like a heap of guys, and yeah. then we had Tristan Thompson, Corey Jervis, Nikola Mirotic, um, in his canter. Were you like, the only Aussie? Uh yep. yep. And then Rob Lowe was there. He was in New okay. Zealand. He was there at the time. And so once I went to that, it went to a whole nother level, and that was right around the time I was basically choose NBL or college. College, and so. I'd just grown up wanting to be an NBL player. That as was I, it. As I said, like, I'd been around that since I was, what, six years old when the Razorbacks started. I'd lived and breathed it. Do you I, ever regret it? Nah, I just would have loved to have seen what life would have been like if I did that. The whole sliding doors, mate. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't regret it, but I would have loved to have seen what that experience was like for me and how that led to different paths. But I also had the accident... Two months later, so yeah, okay. how would that have impacted everything too? Who knows? But Do you think you would have made it in the NBA? Who knows? Timing is everything. Yeah, it's really, isn't it? It's a lot of, don't get me wrong, everyone that makes the NBA is elite and yeah. very good, but a lot of it is timing and a bit of luck. Do you think it's a lot easier these days than it was back when you were doing it? Yeah. And Not easier, but it's it's definitely more of a, like... People see a lot more. Well, yeah, if I'm a kid right now, I am thinking... I'm making the NBA. But yeah. when I was younger, I was thinking I'm making the NBA. NBL, yeah. I, I don't think it's unrealistic for kids to dream of making the NBA. So during all this time, are you single? Yeah. Have you got girlfriends on the way through and all oh, that? Oh yeah, there stuff? was there, there was, was no f- one long long sort of long term. Nah, there was a few here and there, like especially when I was younger, like dated a girl when I was seventeen, I think I was through that period. Yeah. Um she went to college, so then that kind of all ended. And were they all sort of basketball people? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it works. My first it? girlfriend in on the Gold Coast wasn't. Yeah. Uh although I say that, played when she was younger a little bit. Yeah. But she wasn't a basketball person. She wasn't from that I guess bubble. Yeah. But um everyone after that and everyone around that of <laughs> actual serious <laughs> girlfriends has been a basketball. And now your missus. Tell me about your missus. How'd you meet her? Um, so she played, so she's the same age as me. So she mm-hmm. played at all junior nationals and all that. Did you know her back then? No, I didn't. Uh-huh. So I say she knew me. I didn't know her. <laughs> she loved. She was a fangirl. She's no, I don't. Cause I actually <laughs> pursued her. She didn't pursue me. Um, and then, um, played in WNBL and then moved to Melbourne. So once she moved to Melbourne, she was hanging out with a lot of the girls that I went to the AIS with okay. and I was friends with. So yep. she was always popping up on things with people I knew. And then I was in Sydney. Same thing popped up on with girls that I knew and I just thought I'll, I'll message her. And because I, I, she'd been in a relationship, I was sure of it because I'd never seen anything of her. Yeah. Then all of a sudden she was popping up all the time on my on my Instagram and Facebook. and You're thinking, I'm going to have a crack now. Well, I just <laughs> thought, well, if she's popping up now, she must be single, surely. Yeah. And so I was actually newly single around the time and I messaged her and then she happened to be in Sydney not long after that. She was in her family, her mum's family's from Newcastle. Okay. So she was back in Newcastle. Her and a friend came down to a Sydney game. We all went out with her and my mates. My mates made a good impression, obviously, and she joined the crew. <laughs> and then that was it. That was it. All done. Yeah. From that point on, I pretty much knew. Yeah. Oh, you do one. when you find the right one. Oh, yeah. It was just, she was only supposed to um, be down a couple of days, end up staying an extra day. Love it. And then she was obviously Melbourne, then next minute she was, 
I mean, she was awesome. She was making it, because I was in season, so I was not really going anywhere, but she was flying in every second weekend. So she was chasing you, that's what you say. In the end, <laughs> I mean, I was paying for her flights, but... Uh, you made it look like she was, that's uh, all yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, so we did that for a while, and then got to that stage right after that off-season, I actually signed with Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And we'd work, as I said, she'd been in a long, a long-term relationship, I kind of just knew where I was at, and I just said, do you want to move to Brisbane? She said, yeah, let's do it. So nice. she moved, like, later that year when the season kind of started. And and then the rest is history. Yeah. Now you've got two kids together. Yeah. Now and we're just living the basketball life. Living the basketball life. So Adelaide, how'd that one come about? CJ Bruton. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you find that's what a lot of this is? Yeah. It's just that, that person or those people... And it's like, I'm going to go there because of that. Person. I think so. As I've got older, I've started to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's some early on where it's a little bit of unknown with some people. And there yep. still would be. But I think you, as a, even as a player, you want to play with people that you know and you know what they give you. Because it just gives you an added confidence that you can trust them. Yep. And so I think um, CJ, I'd known him since I was little. Like, here you go, CJ story. I... When I was injured on the Gold Coast, mm -hmm. I wasn't playing. So, like, I was just sitting playing PlayStation one day. We were playing the New Zealand Breakers that night. Yeah. As I said, I was not playing. I was just sitting around all day waiting for the game. CJ Bruton walks in the front door because he was obviously good friends with Big Joe. Yeah. From back in, and they played in the Bullets and whatnot. CJ walks in, says hi to me. Um, I was playing, like, some game, I forget. Next minute, me and CJ played 2K all afternoon. <laughs> He goes, shit, I better go. I've got to go get ready for this game. So he leaves. I oh, see so he was playing that night. Yeah. <laughs> rolls out for New Zealand, cooks us. Absolutely cooks us. I beat him in 2K. I, I, I <laughs> claimed that one. I let him win one game because I felt bad because I said, I can't I can't let CJ, <laughs> CJ Bruton. So, but that was the first time of really meeting CJ and I was 18 years old and then kind of been around him ever since and then obviously get to the Bullets, he's the assistant coach. Yep. And then, yeah, he, when he went to Adelaide, he was like, kind of, I want you to come with me, but I just signed a deal with Brisbane. And then as soon as I got off contract, he basically Straight rang me. on the phone. Said, I want you to come to Adelaide. No hesitation. No. What's it like living in Adelaide? It's pretty cool once, different you're, to the once you're there. I always said, like, it's one of those places that once you're actually there, yep. it's, it's not bad because I... When we were, when I was younger, flying in Adelaide, we landed at the airport. We used to stay on Hindley Street, which is their main street of partying and everything yeah. in the city. So it's a shit show because mm -hmm. there's just stuff going on everywhere on a Friday, Saturday night. So we'd fly in there, go to Hindley Street, go to the stadium at Finden, go back to Hindley Street, probably go out, fly out the next day. That was Adelaide to me. That was it, yeah. yeah. That's all I saw. So when I first got there, when I signed there, and I was down at Henley Beach and Glenelg and... That's a beautiful part of the world. Pubs and the cafes all along there. I was like, oh, look at this. <laughs> and then when I'm playing there, I never went to Hindley Street unless I was going out. I wasn't like I was in there all the time. And so I think for where I'm at and my family, I think we'll really enjoy it for... Well, you got a couple of years down there? Two years. So we'll see what happens. Who knows after that? Um, but for two years, I think everything's five, ten minutes away. The beaches are really nice. It gets hot in summer. And Perfect. Yeah. So the Gold Coast Rollers, uh, it still amazes me how a lot of the um, NBL players, and especially the elite players, are playing in the NBL 1. And originally when I saw the NBL 1, I thought, oh, it must have been just to keep fit and all that sort of stuff. But there seems to be a lot more passion. There seems to be, a, like the games, we love watching NBL 1 yeah. games, just from the fact that you've got young kids getting to play with NBL players. And at the same time is that um, it's actually a really good competition. Yeah. So what brings you back to the Gold Coast for the NBL one? I just love it. I love playing in the off season. I, I, I'm actually, like, if you go to a, a a whole look of, like, I guess me being a basketballer, I the primary focus of it really, like, if you just, like, strip back everything first, is it just keeps me ticking over. Okay. If I don't play in the off season, so from this year we were done mid-Feb, if and then we started this week, so whatever the date We're is. We're in July. Yeah. Nearly August, actually. So I'd have to work out how to basically train and keep fit and do a whole heap of boring stuff. Yep. Rather than 
I play in the NBL one. It's not as big a workload. It's two nights a week in a game or two games. So I basically am guaranteeing myself three to four pretty good quality sessions, especially with the Gold Coast the last two years. Our yep. ses- training sessions are legit. So I'm guaranteeing myself that. So now outside of that, it's kind of get what I need. I want to go shoot. Cool, go shoot. I don't need to lift a couple times a week. Yep, go and get that done. So it kind of, for me, keeps my body ticking over. And I just take my breaks here and there. Like, I'll tell Peach one week, I'm not training this week. Uh, we play on Saturday. I'm going away. I'll be back on Friday, play on Saturday. Yeah. And cool. Like, so I get my little breaks throughout where I have five days completely off and then just come and play. Or maybe there's a game where it's somewhere else. I think we're going to win. Peach, I'm going to go away for two weeks. Righto. See ya. And so I kind of have used it to tick my body over. But the other part for me is, like, I don't play that way. As in, I'm not ticking over when I play. I'm oh, going to try and win and make people better. <laughs> so, like, there's the whole body side of it for me, especially as I've got older. But I've always, like, for me, it's what I grew up in and around. So, like, Bankstown Bruins, like, winning that ABA title with Bankstown was one of the coolest things I've done. Because yeah. it was, like, there was people that have never won before. And I was able to help make that happen yeah. as a, I don't even know what I was back then. That's almost eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, like, those kind of, I guess, stories and those kind of experiences, feelings and experiences yeah. that people get from that is just something that I've always enjoyed. And it's a place where I actually feel like I can make things happen for people as well. The, the way I play and I feel like I make people better and I can make an old guy who's working and just wants to keep playing because yeah. he loves basketball or I can make a young kid better. And it ends up in us winning. It's just pretty cool. And do you take that a bit on your shoulders too? Do you, do you sort yeah. of sit there and go, okay, there's a couple of, cause a couple of amazing young kids here on the Gold Coast that are playing with you guys. And they're probably 16 to 18 years old. Yeah. And uh, they're getting minutes. Like, And the fact that they're on the court with you, you obviously um, from an assist point of view or even just from a putting them in the right spot, that um, that's going to help their whole career. Is that something that you enjoy? Do you enjoy that sort of on-court coaching, I suppose you'd call it? Love every bit of it. Yeah. Every bit of it. And I always say, like, like I, I'm i hard on them. Like, I yeah. say some things to them sometimes, which <laughs> you make them go, oh, shit, Jace is <laughs> up me. But, yeah, it's but, for their benefit, though. But it's never of, like, a degrading or yeah. trying to make – but there's some times where I might put a rocket up a couple of them and say, like, even Preston Legassic, like, yeah. a couple of weeks ago I looked at him and said, hey – you better get your head screwed on. Let's go. Like, this is not word for word what yeah, I said, yeah. obviously. But <laughs> I basically said, yo, you need to be better right now or else, like, go sit down, essentially. And then P comes out and gets shit done. And then I, straight after the game, walk up to him said, mate, I'm so proud of you. That's how you need to play every yeah. minute of the game because that's why I trust you. And so there's moments with kids where I just feel like I'm helping them so much. But it's of the point of view of, like, teaching, but also, like, hey, you're actually better than what you're showing right now. Yeah. You're a kid, and so that's part of being a kid. But for me, I'm not treating you like a kid. I'm treating you like a player on the basketball court right now, and what you're doing is not good enough. So it's but like a father figure. A little bit. It's yeah. just just someone who understands and has seen it. But there's the every part of me the other night. Too. Like last night, we play Big Cam through sick as a dog. Yeah. Start of the year, this year. Now, a lot of this is for Peach. I think Peach has been great for Cam. Start of the year, I reckon Cam probably doesn't play last night. Or oh, really? He, or he just kind of, it's a bit hard and he shows everyone. He had 21 and 9 on 10 of 12 shooting or something. Yeah. Like, he was incredible. And I think a little bit of that is he's been around a group who kind of, no one cares if you're sick. We played Logan two weeks ago. I didn't even think I was going to play. I was that crook. Yeah. I rolled up, didn't say a word to anyone. Everyone asked how I was feeling. Yeah, I'm all good. Got through the game. We win. I felt like absolute crap. But that's just kind of what it is because no one cares. Team, you? But no one cares, mate. Yeah. And that's what part of professional sport there's so many games i've rolled out injured or sick and people be like jason was terrible tonight mm. they have no, no idea. idea what you're going through yeah, and so yeah. for those young kids it's a little bit about showing them if you're out here i don't care how sick you are i'm not worried about you missing this i'm not worried about you missing that i just need you to try your ass off and if yep. you're doing that we're good and so sometimes it's just reminding the kids that they can actually do that and impact the game and do you think that the nbl one's really good for that Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. It's, it's a and it's only getting better. I agree 100%. Well, especially, like, that's the one thing I'm so proud of the Gold Coast. Last year, we won. We had me and Tanner. We were consistent through the whole season. Yep. LP started the year, then went away, and we didn't think he was coming back. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, DJ, he pops up mid-season as Tanner goes. He's with my agent. 
I think like he's trying to come to the NBL. He's an Aussie. Like he's a big. We need someone. So we just happen to get DJ. Three days later, he signs with the Bullets. <laughs> so just like the timing was wild. Yeah, yeah. So that works out. And then LP ends up coming back. So we had four I experienced players in terms of what they've already achieved in their career. Yeah. Mixed in with like kids. Six <laughs> kids. And then you had TJ Diop, who's been around for a while. Jared yeah. Eustace, who's still 26, 27. And Jay's Morris of the older kind of guys. But like... 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids playing, six of them. And throughout the year, those kids had played 20-plus minutes. And so for me, I was like, yeah, everyone talks about what we've got, but for most of the season, it was me and Tanner. Yeah. Later on, and now the not till the last game of the season, we played with a full team minus Preston Legastic, who was excellent last year. So we never even had a full team. But the kids, mate, they were – the thing that I was so proud of was that as a program, they won the QSL. Yep. They're playing minutes with us and they've got the confidence amongst us to come out and just play. Some night one minute, some night zero, some night 15. Yeah. And so for me, seeing that evolution as a club has been pretty cool. And so is this year completely different? Completely different. Yeah. We're not as talented as last year, not even close. And we've somehow won 18 games in a row. It's pretty special, isn't it? Well, when you look at it, like that's what the thing is, even like the quarterfinal last week and stuff. And Todd Blanchfield is an elite ABA player. He's an elite NBL player. He's played for his country. He's done a lot of great things. Blanch is coming off a weird space where Perth just didn't play him last year. Yeah, I know. So as a professional athlete, that'll <laughs> do a lot to your head. Yeah. And my whole thing to Blanch was, mate, you want to enjoy your basketball again? Come play with me. Peach will be great for you. You'll love it here, mate. Come and just enjoy yourself again. Get back to loving basketball because you're a good basketball player. Yeah. He ends up getting the release from Perth. The moment that happened, he goes, I'm in. I'm driving my car over next week. Sorry, actually, <laughs> I scrapped that. He flew in on the f- Thursday night, landed at 1 a.m., played Friday night, first game against Logan, and we almost won that game with me, Blanche, and we were missing like six pe- people. <laughs> so he flew in to play that, f- played on the Saturday, back-to-back, first time he'd played two games in however long. Yeah. Flew back and then got in his car and drove over that next week. Wow. But he was just pumped and he wanted to be a part of it and he loved that weekend. So I get Blanche. Tanner's been hurt. We've got the other rest of the crew, but once again, Cam through 22. Preston Legassic, 18 or 19. Yeah. Elijah, 18, starting this year. Billy Rigby, 18. Like, Nevada, 18. Like, Jalen Patton Croker, I think he's 21. Eustace is back, he's 27. TJ's 31. Like, they're all kids besides those couple. And so... We go to Rocky Mackay. We have me, Tanner, and Blanche. Yeah. First time. Play really good basketball, <laughs> I think. I think. Because originally me and Peach were like, we didn't know what our group was going to look like. Yeah. Me and Peach go, well, if we can just make playoffs and then go from there. Cool. We play in Rocky Mackay. I said to Peach, we ain't making playoffs. This shit's over. We're going to win the whole thing again. Yeah. And he goes, my God, we are. And I said, and Preston gets back next week. <laughs> that was before he got back. Yeah. Wow. Tuesday, go to training. Tanner just jumps up for a rebound after, like, practice was done. It was the end of the scrimmage. I wasn't even there. Breaks his toe or fractures his toe, dislocates his big toe. In shoes. Never heard of it. So he goes down. We go, oh, here we go. I wonder how long he's out for. Basically find out he's essentially done. Preston gets back and we roll through with what we've got. But then, as I said, we get to the quarterfinals the other night. I've got big Cam Thu has never been in a position where he's relied upon. Preston, who's a kid... Elijah, who's just flown back from the States, who's a kid. Billy Rigby, who's a kid, who's starting playing, mate. So I, I said, <laughs> that's what Peach goes, well, we're going to find ourselves in these situations where it's tough because we don't have that talented experience. Yeah, of course. We've got kids who are trying to figure it out on the go. And I'm into Preston like he's a 10-year vet just because he plays so well that I'm like, <laughs> Preston, what the fuck are you doing out here, mate? I need you to be better. But he's just a kid. So for me... It's this year's, like, uh, we don't have the talented experience in terms of guys who have four years college or five years NBL. We don't have that, but we've just got a collective group who just want to get shit done. Yeah. And Peach always says they'll do whatever for me in terms of they'll play so hard to try and help me. I think it stems from him. I think they all respect Peach so much that they play. You they also w- don't give yourself any credit ever. But I don't. <laughs> I don't. Let's go there. But, yeah. but I, I do... And I see what Peach is saying. I do. I have that feel, and I think that's why I, I love it so much. It's yeah. like probably the one of the only teams or first like in this 
I've had a few in the NBL one, like even when I play with the Capitals and that, where they just whatever I want, they'll do for me. And that's not even just they'll just play as hard or it's a pretty special feeling. It's awesome. It's got to be, and that's why I embrace it, and that's why I love it, and I think that's why we do well because. I'll give myself credit. The one way I play is I just play. I don't play for stats. I don't play to be the MVP of the comp. I play to make everyone better, and I just play basketball, and I play to win win basketball games. So you're 32 years old now, and you're pulling off MVP for the NBL1. That must have felt pretty special. Yeah, it it was. I won't even deny it. It was. Just I felt like I've played really good basketball this season. As I've just said to you, all those reasons of the group we've got to Mm -hmm. finish on top, to win currently 18 games straight is really impressive, I think. And yeah. so to kind of get that recognition, because for me, the recognition, it's not even about the NBL1 MVP title. It's about who votes for it. Yeah, of course. Coaches and captains around yeah. the league. So to just, so it's your peers. just to get that respect from everyone and get that kind of tick of approval of like, yeah, Jace is, yeah. So what's that do for you? Does that think, yeah, actually I've got a few more years left in me now? Yeah, I feel good. I've yeah. always said that. I don't feel like I'm almost done. It's easy to say I'm almost done because I'm 32. It's only a number. But as CJ said, CJ goes, shit, I didn't win three titles till after I was 31. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, um, for me, like, it's just how I feel. Like, there's definitely days where I'm just like, oh, I cannot be bothered running around with these kids today at training. Yeah. Or you have those, and that's part of getting older. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, I've missed uh, three games in 10 years since I left Adelaide. Wow. So... Sorry, since I first came back on the Gold Coast, so after the car accident, I missed one game in Adelaide with a broken finger. Supposed to miss four or five. Missed one. Other than that one game, I've missed three games at the end of last season with a concussion. Wow. Um, So I've done a pretty good job of just... And I mean, some of those games I should not have played. It's keeping your body in shape, doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so some of those games I've played through. Like, I hurt my AC joint a few years ago. Never done that. Hurt it hurts, in, it? Oh, <laughs> ran, tried to run off a screen, hit someone's hip, moved yeah. out. Couldn't lift my arm the next day. And, and we played on the Sunday. So that was Friday. Flew back Saturday, played Sunday. I went and seen, we had our physios, but I wanted to see a physio that I really trusted that I had my first few years in Brisbane too. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, Jace, oh, I don't think you'll be able to play. You can't get, I couldn't lift it at all. And when I lifted it with help, it was the most excruciating pain. I've never had that. In my shoulder, and he goes, "You're gonna struggle to play tomorrow." And Andy knows that I've always been like, "I'm gonna play." You tell me what I need to do to play. Yeah, that's yeah. always what I've been with physios. Like even um, my physios when I grew up, I I uh, had ankle surgery, full Rico, played after nine weeks. <laughs> and Peter Musa, who's my physio, goes, "You're an idiot," but. Somehow you make it work. If it works, it works. And I just, I feel like I've always had a good pain threshold. I'll just play through shit. Because I think I can always help teams because of the way I am. And so, like, just things like that. Like, yep. that AC joint, I played on that Sunday against Tassie. And I I don't know how I played. <laughs> and I don't even know how I played the next three, four weeks. But uh, it was a lot of pain. It's a, a lot of it's mental though, isn't it? A little bit. And mm. some of it you just can't go. Like, if there's things given out or whatever. But yep. I've always said if I can play five minutes and be good enough in that five minutes to at least impact the game or make someone's life easier for five minutes, then I've done my job. Yeah, fair call. And so that's why I've kind of always, especially in the NBL, and I do it, I mean, in the NBL one too, probably more, but in the NBL, I've kind of sacrificed myself a lot of my career for everyone else. And so I guess in terms of injuries, I'm like, well, I just need to be out here for five minutes to make his life better and his life easier. And if that's all I can get out of myself, then that's good enough. A question I always ask basketball players, if you had to pick five players to play with, so four others and yourself, out of any league, anywhere in the world, who would you pick? Oh, of all, any time? Any time. Kobe Bryant. Why? Because I just loved him when I grew up. Mm-hmm. I went over when we were a kid. Dad was friends with the GM. Yep. Mitch Kupchak. That was when they had Shaq and Kobe. So I was only young, 11, I think. Went to a training session, watched some train. Got uh, to meet him? Didn't get to meet him, but gave him five. Like, yeah. I was just in around the training session. As an 11-year-old, that would have yeah. been special. Why not? I didn't even, this is how crazy it was and how much I didn't know about the NBA. I was in Jerry Buss's office. Yeah. And if everyone, anyone's ever seen the photos of the Lakers facility, his office sits above the training court with all the trophies it does, in yep. the office. 
I was in there. I didn't even get a photo with it. <laughs> Crazy, right? I was in there last year and I got lots of photos. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get a photo. Yeah, yeah. I was in there touching it. <laughs> <laughs> met him, met Jeannie, like yeah, Mitch yeah. Mitch was showing us around the whole facility. I didn't even get a photo, <laughs> which is mind-blowing to me with what I know now. I'm yeah, like, exactly. You idiot. <laughs> but anyway, so. Okay, so there's you, there's Kobe. Who's your other three? Uh, LeBron. Yeah. Because he's elite. Is he the GOAT? Uh, I just say Kobe's my GOAT because okay. I loved him. But fair call. Uh, whoever you pick, you're not wrong. Yeah, fair call. That, that's good too, yeah. Um, Jordan and Shaq. That'd be my Not team. Not a bad team. If I was rolling out with them, that'd be my team. And would you be able to play or would you be sitting there going, <laughs> like, in awe? I'd be in awe, <laughs> but I'd be able to play. With that crew, I can just catch and shoot, bring the ball up a little bit. I uh, I watched something this morning and it was about uh, Jordan, one of his last games for the Wizards, and uh, there was a young rookie that played with him. And so Jordan, he goes, I played with Michael Jordan when he was 40 years old on one leg and he still scored 30 points. And it was just, I'm sitting there looking at this going, it was like, wow, look at that. That's I think pretty I saw special. the same thing. Is the same thing that said he played all 82 games that year? Too? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. I watched that as <laughs> it's well. Like, it's pretty amazing. Okay, mate, the way I like to wrap this up is some quick fire questions, okay? What's your favourite food? Burgers. Burgers, okay. Favourite song? Always been levels by Avicii. Good song. Favorite place in the world? I mean, there's no place like home, but where's home? Bankstown, Sydney, Australia, just yeah. Australia. But I've I love Greece. Greece. Yep. Okay. Cool. Person or the people who had the biggest influence on your life? Mum and dad. Greatest achievement in life? Ah, uh, my kids. What's next? Um. Uh, NBL one title with the Rollers, yeah, and then hopefully a good couple of years in Adelaide, where I can just get back to playing basketball in the NBL and enjoying myself. Can you win the title in Adelaide? Uh yes, long way to go. A lot needs to happen in this league. Like the NBL is very much about things going your way, but I think we have the right people around to get stuff done under the radar, and that'll go a long way. Well, Jason Kadee, as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Cheers, buddy.